Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Joining us for the next chapter of Danielle's WFAM book club, MLB.com's Yankee reporter and great friend of the show, Brian Hoke. He's the author of 62, Aaron Judge, the New York Yankees, and the Pursuit of Greatness. Brian, thanks so much for joining us tonight. You got it, Danielle. Anytime. So, Brian, why was it important for you personally to write about Aaron Judge in his historical season? To begin with, uh, there's been no kind of full-fledged biography treatment of Judge to this point. He's one of the greatest uh, stars in the game. I think they're one of the most recognizable stars in the game. But what we saw last year with him chasing Roger Maris's record, it really was historic in a lot of ways. And I, I just love the symmetry between... Babe Ruth at 60 home runs, Roger Maris at 61 home runs, and Aaron Judge now at 62. It's so perfect uh, that they all played in the same city. They all played for the same team. They all played the same position, right field. And so uh, to kind of go back and dig into that season, because I, we all lived it in real time. You lived it on the air every night, and we uh, we did in the press box too. Um But I think that now knowing that he actually did catch Maris and the outcome of it, that he would get the big contract and stay in New York and then was named the team captain. There were so many kind of angles that we didn't explore in real time because we were just trying to keep up with the chase and will he, won't he, and uh, all the craziness that was happening around the team. So to kind of go back in and slow time down and say, all right, here's what happened and here's what it meant in the grand scheme of things. Um, I, I think it really did lead it and lend itself to a, a long form book. And I, I'm pretty proud of how it turned out. So when I I might have a bone to pick with you. When I asked you at the end of the season in that auxiliary press room, I said, hey, are you writing another book anytime soon? You told me no. (laughs) Were you at the time writing this book? I was. (laughs) I was. I couldn't announce it at that point. Uh, We were under wraps. But uh, I I started thinking about uh, the book around July, around the All-Star break of last year. He was at 30 home runs. And you can do the math. And you figure he's halfway to Maris. And uh, the team was playing great. They were 15 and a half games up in the American League East. And I didn't know what it was going to be. I don't know if it would be a judge book, if it would be a home run record book, if it would be a Yankees win the World Series book. But I knew that something special was happening. And uh, I just wanted to be ready uh, if and when it happened. And then we got some clarity around August when he got to 50. And then the team had kind of fallen off. And I said, uh, this is more now focused on Judge. And it felt felt like every at-bat was 
a focus uh, on him every night. They were breaking in on college football later in the thing to, uh, and it was the question every day was not did the Yankees win, it was did Aaron hit a home run. And uh, when you got to the end, and uh, his mom is there, and Roger Maris Jr. is there, and everybody's standing with their camera phones pointed toward the field. It was just kind of this national phenomenon where this felt bigger than the Yankees going for a playoff spot, or it even felt bigger than Judge going for an MVP type season. And this really took on a life of its own. And uh, I, I feel like we haven't seen a home run chase like this really since the late 90s, where it captured everybody's attention and imagination. And, um, you know, as fun as the McGuire and Sosa chases were and, and the Barry Bonds, I do put this in a, a different category here because the testing is in place. And we know that Aaron did it clean and he did it the right way. And that's what Roger Maris Jr. said in the foreword for this book is that, he is a worthy successor to his father, and uh, that's really what I wanted to explore. It's a book about Judge. It's a book about the home run chase, but it's really about baseball history and Yankee history, too. Brian Hoke, author of 62, Aaron Judge, New York Yankees in the Pursuit of Greatness, joins us on the fan. Um, hey, Brian, now that the initial kind of first media push is over, what have been some of the compliments that you, you've gotten on this new book? Uh, it's been great. The reception has been really good. And I think that a lot of it has come from fans who uh, are not enjoying watching the 2023 Yankees and I don't blame them. Um, so this kind of lets them uh, when you're at the beach or when you're at your, uh, your vacation house up in the Poconos or whatever it be, uh, you can open up the book and kind of go back to a time that was really exciting and really fun. And uh, I, I think that there, there's so many behind the scenes stories that I was able to tell from this home run chase that really didn't kind of fit into the, the narrative of the season in real time. So getting to go back and to speak to a lot of Aaron's teammates and of course to Aaron himself and, and to people who are around the team, the broadcasters and the media members and everybody who was kind of part of this traveling circus as we waited to see was Judge going to be able to catch Maris? And uh, then ultimately he did. And of course he hit 61 in Toronto and then 62 in Texas. And uh, we know the rest of the story, but I, I feel like, um, I hope that this is a book that people are proud to have on their bookshelves that they can kind of look back and say, wow, 2022 and Aaron Judge, that was an awesome season. Um, and you, you open it up to any page and I think uh, you, you can get a story about baseball. And I love that uh, we did the flashbacks to 1961 and there's uh, I believe there's five vignettes in there where we kind of roll the clock back. And uh, it's not just about judge and what he was going through because we kind of brought back Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle and the whole 61 Yankees team in this book. And uh, what I love doing was uh, digging through the newspaper articles from that time and seeing what a different world it was. And uh, there's not, unfortunately there's not many members of the 61 Yankees still with us, but I was able to get two of them and Bobby Richardson and Tony Kubek and they, they both talked to me and, and kind of set the scene, not just for what uh, Judge, well, not just what their friend Roger was going through in 61, but how they were viewing this latest home run chase in, in 2022 and how they were pulling for Aaron Judge. So that was really cool to kind of tie that all together. Would you say that was your favorite part or your favorite scene or your favorite vignette in the whole in the whole book? I I, I do love the historical stuff. And I'm a baseball fan. I grew up loving baseball. And obviously, uh, Roger Maris, you know, I've got a Roger Maris baseball card right here on uh, my bookshelf as I'm, <laughs> I, I feel kind of connected now to Roger Maris and his family and which is awesome uh, by, by way of this book. And so, um, yeah, I definitely love the way that baseball history comes together in this book and that uh, there is that kind of connection now between the three great Yankee right fielders. And, you know, the one thing that judge has to do 
that the others have not done is win a World Series title. And I think that to cement his place now in uh, in Monument Park in Yankees history as the Yankees captain, that's the next step. And that's ultimately uh, a big reason of why he came back. And he said, he told me for the book, there's unfinished business in New York. And that, that was a big part of uh, why he wanted to come back and to be a Yankee when you know, that money was out there from the San Francisco Giants and the San Diego Padres. And in the book, we we revealed that the Tampa Bay Rays even made a run at Judge. And so um, that, that was unreported there. But ultimately, he and his wife, Samantha, they decided that New York is where they belong. And um, they, they do need to get back to the top of that mountain, because uh, if you look back, there are 16 captains in Yankees history. Only one of them never won a World Series. That's Don Mattingly. And as great as Donnie Baseball was, you you want to be uh, you want to have that ring on your finger. Brian Hoke joins us on the fan yet. Yeah, I think my favorite part of the whole, the whole thing wasn't really, I mean, it was the chase and everything, but I really loved how deep you went into the contract situation. I mean, mm. details I hadn't heard, including that race thing. Like he picked up the phone at his parents' house and he woke them up. Like, how did you get so deep into all those details? You were deep into the weeds with that. Well, you know, part of it was just being around and covering this day in, day out because I, I was living it. I was there in the the press box in the clubhouse every single day, and um, we we obviously I, I was fortunate that. I had the access to do that as part of my day job as a beat reporter at MLB.com. But I, I definitely started and I, you know, I mentioned when he got to 50 in Anaheim, that was probably the point where I said, I need to take notes on every single thing that's happening here because I don't know how this story is going to turn out. I don't know if Darren's coming back. I, I felt there was probably an 80% chance he was coming back, but that meant 20% that he wasn't. And they, uh, the tweet happened uh, during the winter meetings with Arson Judge and he's got, he appears headed to the Giants. And um, I, I'm not going to lie. I said, what does this do to the book if he's on a San Francisco Giants team? And so that totally would have been a different storyline. So, um, but I was definitely doing the extra interviews every single day. You know, if if there was an interview and I could go ask a few more questions and, and kind of tuck it away for later, uh, get some more context, get some more uh, quotes, because there's stuff in this book that nobody's read because uh, it's being reported for the first time. And that that's what I think is really cool about it, that even if you think you know the whole story of what happened last year, and yes, he hit 62, we all watched it on TV. I, I feel like there's stuff in this book that you wouldn't have known unless you were actually there. There, uh, in the clubhouse where, you know, the average person doesn't get that kind of access. I'm very lucky uh, in my day job that I can do that. And I wanted to bring the readers inside and really kind of show what was going on, how people were talking and feeling and acting at that time. And uh, that's just something that, unfortunately, you can't do it in a 700 word news article. You, you really need a full book treatment. And I think this was a deserving topic for that. In terms of your like process, how much was Aaron Judge himself and his family members and even his wife involved in in shaping the narrative of, of your book? I mean, they're huge characters in the book, obviously. And uh, I, I think that given the timing of where what was going on, there was a contract negotiation at the time. I mean, I had access to Aaron, of course, you know, during that time, but he was also weighing his future. And so I think that there was certainly guardrails up where um, the, the one thing he did not want to do in the middle of a contract pursuit was kind of spill everything to the media. And um, so I, I think that we we operated in those guidelines. And, and that's why I think it was so important to uh, to talk to other people who were in his orbit at that time and, and really kind of that kind of benefited me in a lot of ways, I feel like, because 
it's not just one person's story or two people kind of telling the narrative. There's so many other characters who come in here and teammates. And uh, like I mentioned, the media members, the broadcasters. And, uh, you know, I, I talked to people all the way going back to judges uh, growing up in Linden, California. And, and so I think that um, because there was that contract pursuit going on at the time where it was kind of really crunch time, you know, he, he'd broken the record. It's November. The season is over. We know um, that the Yankees did not win the World Series, of course. And then it's kind of like, all right, where's this book going to go? And it's like, you better call every single person you can think of um, because uh, Judge is kind of closed for business at this point because he's got a lot of money on the table. I don't blame him for that. Um, so it's kind of like, all right, who else can we get to to talk? And I think it made it a better book because you, you have so many voices coming together and kind of it, it creates this narrative uh, where it really gives a full picture of what was happening during that year. Brian Hoke, author of 62, Aaron Judge, New York Yankees and the Pursuit of Greatness joins us on the fan I, you know, I like how you act. I did. I like that. How you put like the home run chase in the context of the 2022 season. I think Aaron judge wouldn't want it any other way, honestly. So why did you decide to do it like that versus like writing like, like an Aaron judge biography type book? Yeah. Well, I think that you can't separate what happened with 62 and not note that he was chasing a world series title and trying to get the Yankees to the playoffs. I, I think that is all part of it. And, you know, even with my editor, when I filed the first draft and it was really long, um, they said, should we cut the postseason here? And I, I thought about it and I said, that doesn't, the postseason obviously is not a happy ending. It's, it's not what Aaron wanted it to be. You don't want to have them swept by the Houston Astros. If you're, if you're in Hollywood and you're writing a movie script, you don't have the, the, the hero lose in the end, but that's what really happened. And I feel like to chop that off and, and say he hit 62 and then he got the big contract and you just fast forward past the postseason. I think that takes away a lot of the, uh, they kind of strain and the stress that it, it's an important part of the story that he really was gassed by the end of this, that how much it took out of him and that in some ways that they didn't get the happy ending and it doesn't all uh, wrap up neatly with a tight little bow. I, I, I didn't want to fast forward past that and pretend it didn't happen. That's a big part of the storyline. And ultimately it's a big part of why Aaron wanted to come back to New York because he did feel like there was unfinished business that he had more to do with the Yankees here. And uh, I, I think in some ways, the disappointment of that, that it didn't end in a world series championship because Ruth at 60, the Yankees won the 27 world series. Uh, Maris is 61. The Yankees won the 1961 World Series. So Judge is kind of the outlier there. And I think that um, the, the last line in the book, if, if you read it to the end there, and if you did, thank you. Um, I think the last line in the book is something like 62 was history. Now it was time to get back to work. And uh, I think that that speaks to Judge's kind of mindset here in, in that, um, yeah, that was a great season, great individual season. But now there's more to do. Of course, I read it to the end. What do you think? <laughs> of course. Um, I actually do. So all these books, I really do read word for word, uh, letter for letter. So uh, another part I actually like, and we talked about it a little bit before, why was it important for you to include Maris and Mantles, those 61 flashbacks inserts, and they were all chronological. So like August, a judge hit, hit number whatever, then you had an, uh, you know a little insert at the time back in, in, in that year too. I like how you aligned them. Thank you. Yeah, I, I wanted to kind of flash back to show what 
Maris and Mantle were going through at that time in the chase. And it, that that kind of made sense that when you get to, say, August, like you said, with Judge, you, you kind of look back and say, because we were tracking it in real time. We were saying Judge is too ahead of Maris's pace, or now he's falling behind Maris's pace. So I, I feel like, uh, and, and something Billy Crystal said really stuck with me in doing this in that the great part about the 61 chase was that you had Maris and Mantle and, and they were pushing each other. Uh, and, and that was kind of the back and forth of it. This chase in 2022 with Judge, it was kind of him on an island doing it all by himself. And, you know, obviously his teammates were behind him and supporting him, but Stanton got hurt. He was the all-star game MVP. He could have been the Mickey Mantle character in this story, but he fell off early in here and, and wasn't able to do much in the second half. So it really was kind of Aaron against the ghost here. And, and we were tracking that. And so to write this book and to do it correctly, I thought we needed to bring back Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle and have them be characters in this book as well. Otherwise, it's just kind of Judge doing it by himself. And that's not really the point of the home run chase. The, the point of the home run chase was him going after these great Yankees in history. And is he going to catch Roger Maris? And uh, to, to tell that story, I think you have to dig in and, and kind of show who Roger Maris was. And I, I think that certainly for a younger generation of fan here, um, it's an introduction to, to Maris and kind of what he went through day by day. And I think that even if you've seen the Billy Crystal movie uh, 61, which is excellent, uh, I think that I was able to kind of dig a little bit deeper here and show what made Maris tick, how how difficult it was for him to get to that point and uh, and really kind of contrast and compare, you know, Maris is getting telegrams from the, the president, but uh, Judge is getting tweets from the president after he gets it. So it's kind of like the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, they were completely different people in completely different worlds, but I loved being able to kind of draw uh, parallels between them and, and show 61 years later, appropriately enough, uh, what Judge was going through and how it compared to what Maris went through that year. Yeah, it was really well done. And what effect did a Judge's breaking of the record have on Maris's legacy? I, I think that in a lot of ways, this was one of the best years that Roger Maris ever had. Because if you look back at uh, and and this is in the book, of course, Danielle, as you know, because you read it, um, <laughs> that uh, there was half the fan base was pulling against Maris because they thought Babe Ruth should be the all-time home run king and nobody should ever break that record. And the other half of the fan base was saying that if anybody's going to break it, it should be Mickey Mantle because he's a real Yankee. And Rogers, this guy who, as we explore in the book, didn't really want to be traded to the Yankees. Didn't, you know, he got the news he was in a supermarket in Kansas City uh, signing autographs and a fan came came up to him and said, hey, good luck with the Yankees. And uh, then he said, what are you talking about? And he runs to the payphone and he calls his wife and his wife is crying. And then they both cry about they didn't want to uproot their lives and go to New York City. He was not a big city kind of guy. And um, there's even the story there about how uh, he shows up dressed in polo shirts and kind of loafers at a time when, you know, this is Don Draper, Mad Men, 1961, and, you know, men dressed in a certain way with their fine hats. And he just said, screw that. If they don't like how the way I, I look, then I don't have to play here. Um, so Maris was that kind of guy and uh, where, you know, the media didn't give him a lot of a lot of love at times. Um, there's a story in here about how there was a plaster cast of a middle 
little finger that he put on his locker. And it was basically to tell the reporters, you know, go away. And, and so, uh, and, but these were the old time reporters who had covered Ruth and Gehrig. And so they weren't going to listen to this. And so they ripped him and they ripped him hard in the press every single day or, or whenever they got the chance to do it. And so it, it really felt like the world was against Maris in a lot of ways. And now, with the benefit of hindsight, you look back in history and you say, that was a remarkable season. It's amazing. And uh, I felt like everything was positive that you heard about Roger Maris in the summer of 2022. And I feel like it, in a lot of ways, it's the best summer he ever had. The depth that you went into also about um, the Corey Yeomans, the guy who caught it. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but the guy who caught it in Texas. The depth you went into about his personal life after he caught it, I was like, I couldn't get enough of it. Like, like that was insane to me. What happened to that guy? Yeah, I feel like that's when one of the points here where the media did not do him any favors in real time is that uh, what we heard immediately was that, oh, you know, some rich guy caught the ball and like he works at a big financial firm. And oh, great. You know, he's probably going to get even richer. And uh, then talking to him and kind of hearing his backstory, that's not true. I mean, you know, if you work at Bank of America, it doesn't mean you're the president of Bank of America, you know, you could just be the teller. And so that was kind of more his his stance there. He did work for a financial firm and he had a good business card title, but he was kind of middle management and, um, you know, didn't drive a flashy car, lived in an apartment with his uh, fiance. And so they, when he catches this ball, you know, there's 10 minutes of elation and he's hustled out of the thing. And uh, the Yankees can make him an you know offer. They say, look, if you want to come down and meet Aaron Judge, that's fine. But if you want to uh, cash in on this, that's not going to be from us. And he says, all right, can I can I go home and can I think about it? And they say, sure. And so they put him in a golf cart and they ferry him out to the parking lot. And um, then he's kind of realizing, all right, this is nuts. My phone is blowing up. His, his uh, fiance calls him and says, hey, um, there's some sketchy looking people who are standing outside the apartment right now. And I don't really know what to do. I don't know if they're media. I don't know what they're what's happening out here. And so ultimately, uh, he's thinking, you know, how am I going to like defend my family with this? And uh, if somebody tries to do something crazy here to get this ball away from me. So uh, they, they ultimately wound up packing up their apartment, their dog, and they, they went and lived with a friend for 10 days while they tried to get this all sorted out. And um, he did wind up cashing in. He made uh, $1.5 million, but he had so many kind of wild uh, offers coming out of the woodworks. People are direct messaging on Instagram and saying, Hey, I got $2 million buried out in the desert. If you come with me. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to be doing that. And so uh, they, there was also some uh, larger offers coming from overseas that he he wasn't really sure about the, the you know, these are kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, shady, sketchy people. And you're not going to uh, kind of associate there. He wanted to try and do it all on the up and up. And so they put it up for auction. He he probably took less than he could have made if he'd gone with one of these other offers. But uh, he, he wasn't convinced that those were real offers and that these were real people he, he should be associating with. And uh, plus, I, I think that... Um, doing it fairly and in, in a democratic way here where you, you can auction and it goes off to the highest bidder. So he wound up getting 1.5 million for the ball, which is great, uh, you know, quite a windfall. And obviously he used it to, uh, 
buy his first house and to buy his uh his father a a house up there and so they they put it to good use but i think that the the initial narrative of oh it's just some rich guy and he's now he's going to get even richer and what about the real fans how come it didn't go to a real fan that's one thing that i think that that really kind of hurt him in a lot of ways because uh there's such a romantic story about the ball that is caught with the uh, the 61 ball where it was caught by a teenage boy and he was out on his first date with his future wife. And, uh, and then Roger Maris kind of tussles his hair and says, Hey kid, why don't you get whatever you can for the ball? And uh, he winds up getting $5,000. And uh, that was such a warm romantic story. And I feel like there was such a, uh, with this ball, it was kind of like catch baseball equals cash is the way that Corey described it to me. And he just kind of wished there was more to it than that, than uh, than just kind of a winning lottery ticket. Brian Hoke, author of 62, Aaron Judge, New York Yankees and the Pursuit of Greatness. Real quickly here, would you rather have it Sal Durante's way or Corey Yeoman's way? <laughs> Uh, I, I think Sal Durante's way is the, uh, the is what you aspire to, right? That's such a nice story that uh, you know he catches the ball and then uh, you know gets invited into the clubhouse and he offers it to Roger Maris and uh, Roger says, "Nah, kid, but let's smoke a couple cigarettes together and uh, and then you know go use the money with whatever you're gonna do, go get married or uh, here the and that's what happened is that a uh, what the way that Roger described what would happen is somebody's gonna give you money for this ball and then ultimately it'll come back to me and that's exactly what happened a uh a restaurateur i think out on the west coast gave him five thousand dollars which is i think the modern day equivalent of about fifty thousand and and then ultimately that ball wound up in maris's possession up until his death with the, the the guy the restaurant uh bought it and then gave it right back to maris so uh everybody won in that situation and i feel like uh in this situation um there was something missing there and i think that Corey spoke to that too is that different times um you know i i feel like uh now there is such an immediacy and a focus on it that um when when you have reporters sending out tweets saying that well this guy doesn't really need the money or he doesn't deserve it that kind of crafts the narrative there and um you know look i, I asked Corey this too i said if you had a do-over do you catch that ball all over again and he kind of thought about it which really uh, which really stunned me. I expected him to be like, of course I do. What a, what a dumb question. And he kind of had to think about it because he went through hell and he had his name dragged through the mud in a lot of ways. And his friends and family around him um, got had to have the ripple effect of that. And so ultimately his his response was yes, but I, I do wish it had turned out differently. And, you know, that kind of pulled tugged at my heartstrings. I That's one guy that in doing this book, I, I did a complete 180 on what I thought I knew, and it completely changed the story. And I was telling my wife that, too. I said, when I got off the phone with him, I said, I actually kind of feel bad for this guy. And she said, you feel bad for the guy who caught the ball worth, you know, $1.5 million? I said, yeah, kind of. And so hopefully that came through in the uh, in the story. Final question. You had a quote from Jose Trevino in your new book, 62, um, that said something to the effect of there might be a movie that, and that Billy Crystal is probably already out there scheming it up. Brian Hoke, who plays Aaron Judge? Oh, wow. Um, if you're going to shoot it right now, um, I would say it has to be somebody with some presence, some stage, uh, you know, the physical presence. I would say The Rock is a good yeah. choice, although I think he's a better chance, a better choice to play Stanton. So if you can do that, uh, I don't know if there's a perfect one. Um, yeah, I, I feel like Judge... 
Uh, wow, that's tough. Nobody's ever asked me that question before. Who plays him? So uh, I did ask uh, Trevino. He, he said uh, Michael Pena plays uh, plays Jose Trevino. But uh, Judge, I, I, how about Gordon? Gordon, the basketball player. I, I They kind of body doubles for each other. I, I don't know. If I have to pick one celebrity, I'll go with The Rock right now. I think that's a great choice. I didn't even consider that because I don't I didn't even have the answer to that question myself. But The Rock, I'm going with that. Let's put that into existence. <laughs> and plus, you know, with AI and, you know, makeup, they can do crazy things. So they need to finish that writer strike out there and then we can get started on the book. I love that. All right, Brian Hoke, thanks for taking the time with me. Awesome book. Tell the people where they can get it. Oh, book's on sale now. Uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold. Uh, it's uh, 62, Aaron Judge. The New York Yankees and the pursuit of greatness. And uh, we're, we're very excited about it. It seems to be doing well. So that's that's awesome. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.